I hope all of you enjoyed part one of Dorian's interview. If you didn't get a chance to listen to part one, go back and check out episode 83. I have invited a transgender man onto the show to share his story of transitioning from a signed female at birth to the man he was always meant to be. I know that I have always said this podcast is exclusively for women, and I stand by that with complete conviction. But I also believe there are some women out there that need to hear Dorian's story. Maybe you're a woman questioning your gender identity. Maybe you're a woman who is considering transitioning. You might be a woman who is a loved one who has transitioned and you want to educate yourself. More than anything, I invited Dorian because Femcanic Garage is an inclusive community. So if you are a transgender woman, you belong here too. Now let's get to the show. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries. A community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Hey ladies, it's time to put your badass boss babe hat on. Head over to femcanic.com's resource page and create your personal listing and your business listing if you have one of those too. No cost to you at all, just shameless self-promotion. Talent recruiters for jobs, radio, and TV gigs have leveraged this page to discover talent. Come on ladies. It's time to get your self-promotion on. Remember, femcanic.com, resource tab at the top, and click the Yes, I'm a Badass Woman. Dorian Tedder is in the driver's seat today. He is an automotive glass technician based out of New Mexico. He stumbled into the automotive industry while job searching. Five years after stumbling into the industry, he has grown to love what he does. One of his proudest career accomplishments is being selected for his company's first ever Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Council. Dorian shares that he is not an expert on all things car-related, but he does know about being true to yourself and becoming who you are in your soul. Sit back and enjoy the ride. I want to call out a couple of things here because I think there's some misconceptions. Drag queen does not equal transgender. No. Let's just put that out there. Not unless that drag queen also identifies as transgender. And that's the distinctive thing. Not all drag queens identify as transgender. There, there are drag queens that are straight men. There are cisgender men who are also straight. They label themselves as that. Yeah. And there are gay men as well. Gay men, straight men, transgender men. And the same thing with drag kings. So drag queens and drag kings. Exactly. That title does not equal transgender. Mm -hmm. Exactly. The other key thing that I want to really get out there to folks, to all the parents out there, just think for one moment about your child right now. If you're a parent, if you're an aunt or an uncle, Think about your nieces and nephews and just pause for one moment and get them, your son or your daughter, your niece or your nephew, get the picture of them in your head. Now imagine having them committing suicide. Can't even talk right now, Dorian, the the thought of my child committing suicide i mean it it leaves me speechless like like i i can't even wrap my mind around that breathless you're breathless yes trevorproject.org published that suicide is the second leading cause of death for young people ages 10 to 24 years old lgb youth are almost 5 times as likely 
to have attempted suicide compared to heterosexual youth. Five times. And if that wasn't enough, 40% of transgender adults reported having made a suicide attempt. 92% of those people reported having attempted suicide before the age of 25. So parents wake up. Oftentimes, the number one person that they're trying to hide it from is their parents and their Mm -hmm. family because they're the scariest to come out to. Definitely. I agree with you 100%. I can tell you from my personal experience, just to be clear, I've only ever once thought about committing suicide, and that was as an adult. And I am still not entirely sure to this day my thoughts and emotions surrounding that. So put that out there for the universe. So, but from my personal experiences coming out, I've had two coming out days. Um, The first was as a lesbian. I was about 25 years old and I had a friend who had gotten so many questions from coworkers asking if I was a lesbian. Because let's be honest, I looked like a really big lesbian. And um, she was my best friend. And she said, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't care. And did not say that in the, the way it might sound. You know, my best friend could sleep with men, could sleep with women, could sleep with both, you know, or nobody at all. Shock. And she would not care, would not change our friendship, you know. Mm-hmm. So that actually like pulled this memory from me where I had told a friend in high school that I thought I was gay. And um, I got kind of a weird look from that person, not like bad look, but it wasn't, it wasn't like full on happy and proud and like clapping and like celebratory or like that. So at the time in high school, I just like, well, forget about that. Put that in the back of your mind. Let's not talk about that ever again. Mm-hmm. But this this kind of pulled that out, and I was like, well, shit, am I? And I had had absolutely one date with one man in my entire life up until that time. And let me tell you, did not like it. Not for a lack of trying on his part, just didn't like it. And that's when I realized, like, holy shit, like, I like girls. I like women. So, you know, I looked at, online, you know, looked at the internet universe and uh, actually connected with a, another woman. And we started to date, even though we lived miles away, you know, a thousand miles away. And so I told my family, you know, I went to my parents' house, my mom, my dad, my grandma are there. And I was like, okay, I have something I have to tell all of you. This is going to be like, I'm going to try to say it the best way that I can. I am a lesbian. I like girls. And the first person to say anything was my dad. He said, that's great. Can I go back to work? (laughs) And I was like, you don't care? And he was like, no, I don't give a shit, whatever. And he was like, I got to go back to work. And I was like, fine, go back to your hole, go back to work. And my mom and my grandma were like, yeah, of course we love you. Like, why wouldn't we? Yeah, we love you. So that made it easier to come out to the rest of my family. Just told everyone straight up, you know, lesbian, got a girlfriend. My grandpa sitting... I swear to God, I could not hear a thing sitting like he's a mile away. And he was like, what's that? You got a boyfriend? And I was like, no, Grandpa, I got a girlfriend. And he was like, well, that's different. And that's the only word I ever heard him say about it. Only words. So it was not even necessarily a year later when I met my current partner. Fiance, just to get you used to it. Now fiance. <laughs> fiance. Um. And it was maybe a year or two after that that I came out as transgender. And in that time, in that time, not only had had we been talking about things like that, but I had met another transgender man. We weren't like super connected or anything like that. We didn't have a lot of personal talks. I didn't say, hey, I might think I am or like that. I just saw him and everyone in his circle and thus part of my fiance circle at the time um, knew that he was a transgender man. And so it wasn't like it was a secret or anything. And that's when I was like, what is this phenomena that I've never heard about in my entire life? And so my fiance was like, um, yeah, you know, transgender. 
And she told me all about it and everything like that. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay, cool. And it really like struck something deep within me. So then later, I can't remember the exact thing, but it was in the cover of Darkness in bed with my girlfriend, now fiance. And I said, I think I'm a boy. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, do you want me to start calling you my boyfriend? That's way cool. And I was like, um, I was like, let's just keep that between us. Like, mm-hmm. like when we're alone right here and then like, we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, I can do that. Good night, boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> it was like super cute. So of course, a little while later, you know, it took me about a year to say to her that I'm transgender, maybe not even a year, but for me to actually put it out there. And I called my parents Real early in the morning, because something political had happened with some shitty president that we had at the time, and I got real pissed off, and I was like, I'm so mad, and I want to I be a part of the community that I say that I'm a part of. I was like, but I can't say that on Facebook without telling my parents first. So I called up my parents. It was like 7 o'clock my time, 8 o'clock theirs, and I said, Mom get dad on the phone with you. I got something I got to tell you. And she was trying to get my dad away from his freaking computer, you know, again, out of work. And I was like, okay, mom, I just want to let you know, you don't have a daughter. She's like, what the fuck? (laughs) I was like, you have a son. And she was like, what? I was like, yeah, you don't have a daughter. You have a son. I am your son. Okay. And my dad said, Cool. Can I get back to work now? <laughs> I was like, yeah, dad, go back to work, dad. Okay. Yeah. Go back to work. Did he ever trip up or anything? Did he, it was just like after that. Okay. I have a son. I think there was a couple of times here and there, but to be fair, I live a thousand miles mm-hmm. away. They don't see me yeah. every day. So for me, everything that they might say about me is, you know, technically behind my back. So I don't know yeah. what people say about me. I know that on the phone calls we've had, my mom has tripped up a couple times. My dad might trip up here and there. Like some people trip up. It's just what happens when you know someone for so long. The thing is, is I have to tell them if I'm uncomfortable about that, you know, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I do do that. I do that with my mom a lot, you know, where she might say, usually it's in the form of telling a story um, because she's so proud of me that she'll be like, yeah, I, uh, you know, I was talking to this person. I was all like, yeah, um, my son is trans and she, and I was like, no, 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 mom. He remember to use he, and she was like, yeah, fuck she, he, <laughs> and you know, she'll, she'll, she'll do that. And I say this with a lot of F words. My parents don't really curse all that much, but she is working her best. And at the very least she talks about me and she is proud to be the mom of a transgender son. What is mom's name, Dorian? Oh, mom's name is Debbie and dad's name is Jim. Jim and Debbie. Yeah, I got to give Debbie some props. What a great model that your folks are given. That little scenario that I shared earlier around how do you want to help kids? And I'm telling you, parents, especially if you have teenage kids, more is caught than taught. It may not be something you say. It may be a facial expression you have. It may be body language that you have, that when your child has a friend over and they're talking about something and you demonstrate words, body language, tone, disapproving or shaming around those things, your child's not only getting the message, their friend with your child is getting the message too and you don't know them from Adam. There's a lot of assumptions that that are made and you may have an opportunity to save a kid's life. I mean, that sounds so extreme, but it, it's the God's honest truth. You don't know what they're going through. It literally could be the day that they've snapped, you know, something could have happened earlier that day that made them think this is it. Maybe snap isn't the right word, Doreen. Yeah, maybe not snap, but like made a decision. Give up. Give up, yeah. Yeah. It's more yeah. like giving up. Like there, it's a constant battle. It's exhausting. Yeah. And you just get tired. We're seeing so much of it nowadays. 
But I will say I don't give my parents enough props, I guess. Credit. Credit. There it is. Because, you know, I'm the youngest of four. So I kind of got away with stuff when I was a kid. Not that I did a whole lot that necessarily needed to get away with, but I could have. And um, they were working with something that they couldn't understand. You know, I, I grew up for the most part in the 90s and the early 2000s. And as a society, we had gays and lesbians and they were starting to become, you know, on the TV and in the news and all that kind of stuff. And you saw here and there that people were like winning these court battles and things and things were happening and we were becoming super accepted and, and that kind of stuff. And um, I actually had a conversation with my mom recently about this. And she said, because uh, we were talking about something else entirely. And um, she said, yeah, we, we kind of knew. We kind of knew that you were a lesbian when you were younger. And I was like, mom, why didn't you ever tell me that? And she's like, well, we didn't, we didn't quite know. Not for certain. We were just kind of like, she said, we were waiting for you to tell us. And I was like, well, if you'd have known something, maybe you could have had a different talk with me, you know, maybe shown me that you would have still loved and accepted me at that time earlier on. Mm -hmm. And then maybe none of us would have been waiting for so long. Because all it takes is, you know, again, telling someone that they're in a safe space and that they're loved and accepted no matter what. And then that person might feel like it's okay to be vulnerable with you. And I didn't always feel that way with my parents. Not all the time. Sometimes I wasn't. Sometimes I wasn't. I was kind of a angsty teenager. And I guess now we all know why. But um, they could not have known that I was going to be transgender, though, because there was no... Mm -hmm. The word was out there, but it wasn't like a widely known word. It wasn't something that they were using a whole lot of. There wasn't a lot of representation. It still, to this day, blows my mind when I see the account of a transgender human being who has been transgender for decades. And I'm not talking like it's 2021, two decades ago, it was 2000. I'm talking like the 70s, the 60s, 70s, 80s, pioneering. It blows my mm -hmm. mind. But they didn't have those resources back then. Obviously didn't have the internet in the 90s um, to know mm -hmm. any of this. And every uh, instance of transgender representation in the media was horrible. Yeah. Well, it was the same with gay and lesbians as well. When you click the rewind button and the way that they're portrayed is, you know, sexual predators. Well, yeah. we all know better now. <laughs> and and especially with transgender people, we were always the freaking villain. Point in case, mm -hmm. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Who was the villain of that movie? Oh, yeah. That's a good, yeah. I forgot all about that. Yeah. There's actually a great documentary on Netflix, and I super cannot remember the name of it right now. I'm so sorry, my community. But um, it's up there on Netflix. It only recently came out in the last year or two, and it specifically is about transgender portrayal in you know the media tvs and, and movies and all that and how far it's come but the first several minutes half an hour to an hour of the documentary is how horrible it was because everything up until like the 2000s yeah, yeah. was the villain the villain the villain the villain so of course like even if the word were there for my parents to have helped me with it in the 90s or early 2000s, why would they want their kid to be that? Right. You know? Yeah. So, like, I get it. Uh, they were probably struggling just as much as I was. You know, all of us not telling each other what they were scared of the most was losing me and all that. But, you know, we talk about and, it now. And that's why you have to have the conversation. You have to have these conversations. My daughter's 13. My son's 10. And... Having casual conversation about it and, and to have it be as matter of fact as possible. And parents, sometimes you have to practice it. I was super uncomfortable talking about puberty and all of those things. I had to practice that with my partner. I had to go and listen to other parents talk about it. You join like groups on Facebook or communities of, you know, other parents. And you practice it. You practice the language. You you practice talking about it so that your kids don't see how uncomfortable you are. Because the reality is, is the more you practice it, 
you become more confident, you become more comfortable around it, and that translates to your children. And now, just in casual conversation, I'll ask my kids, hey, do you like boys? Do you like girls? Do you like both? Do you know yet? And, you know, my daughter is like, no, I, I like boys. And my son answered, I don't know yet. Right. And I'm like, cool. And and then it doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out conversation. I make a mental note about it. I'll probably revisit it. And I leave a safe space that it's okay not to know. Now, as a parent, do I want both of my kids to be cisgender and also heterosexual? Yeah, I do as a parent. And I'm a lesbian. <laughs> and the reason why is because I know that's what's safest for them as a parent. And I want to protect my children. Now, would I ever shame them into thinking something's wrong with them if they're not a heterosexual cisgender? No, absolutely not. And I'm going to let them clearly know that. And I'm going to bring up those conversations instead of exactly what you said. Do you know how many parents I've heard and have how many stories I hear from people in the LGBTQ community where they're like, yeah, my parents said they always knew. Parents, if you think that, don't go tell your best friend. Go have a conversation with your child, for God's sake. Maybe they are exploring that. Right. Could you share that information with me, please? <laughs> right. right. And again, if a parent would have that talk with their kid, because like a lot of parents, especially a lot of cisgender, straight, heterosexual parents, the default is set at cisgender, heterosexual. That's the default. Yeah. And nobody, nobody, I wouldn't say nobody, not anymore, but like a lot of times parents don't raise their kids with the openness that there is more. It's the yeah. default is the only way. So when they have maybe the, the talk with their young kid about things, that's the default is, well, when a man loves a woman, uh, birds and the bees and all that. But what that parent might not know is that maybe the birds and the bees are the birds and the birds and the bees and the bees. Like, you know, maybe the bird is a bee and the bee is a bird. When you talk about the fact that there are birds and birds and bees and bees together, right? Just boiling it down to its simplest form. Doesn't make your child that way, <laughs> right? Educating them about it. Doesn't make them that way. So there's there's this like fear of parents like, oh, if we talk about it, then that means it'll open it up and they'll know about it now and they'll become that. No, just no. because you talk to them about it. By talking about it openly, it, it creates a safe space for your child to be whoever they were always going to be. It's just now they're in a safe space and the the suicide rate goes down. Probability goes down for your child. Right. Maybe maybe your cisgender straight child recognizes that they are the gender that they are, you know, that they were born as uh, assigned at birth. Maybe they recognize that they like the opposite gender, not the same one or something like that. And maybe they just turn out to be a really cool fucking person. That's it. Like an ally that support the people around them. A supportive, cool person, you know? Regardless of who they are. Right, exactly. And congratulations, mom and dad. You raised a hell of a human being then. A human being that places love above everything. Right, and the irony here, which is a huge, like, joke in our community, and, and I know that you know a lot about this considering your own situation, when you are, uh, let's say, two gay dads, two lesbian moms, you adopt a kid, or in your case, you... Uh, one of you biologically has two kids. Just because your parents are of the same sex, gay, lesbian, whatever, doesn't mean that the child that you are raising is also going to be that way. Because guess what? Statistically, it proves that they're not <laughs> going to be. Ironically enough, dear cisgender straight parents, you birthed me. You raised me. And I am transgender. Okay? A majority of people who are LGBTQ+, two-spirit, all that, questioning, a majority of those people came from and were raised by cisgender, heterosexual people. Yes. So what are you afraid of? Like, I don't 
get it. If you raised us and we raise more kids, how is we raising more kids going to make them like us when we were not like you? The the two plus two does not equal four there. Yeah, that's a great call out, Dorian. I want to tie a couple things together here. So you shared the story. Right, we never did finish that story. Right? And that's okay because we we filled in a lot of the gaps here. You went to that customer's house, female presenting, they filed a complaint and a warranty against you. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, male presenting, mm-hmm. you have a beard now. Yep. Right? You're male presenting. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate to get a beard within a year. Yeah. This customer has a, another job that needs done, mm-hmm. and you're assigned this exact same customer, exact same location, mm-hmm. different vehicle. Same vehicle. What happens? So before he kind of hovered over you and watched you do the work as female presenting. So in this encounter, I actually got to experience it same as my coworker the first time, which is I got out there. The gentleman shook my hand, said, thanks for coming out, bitched about the female technician that came out a year ago previously and how she had horribly, was you. Yeah, how she had horribly mangled his truck and then went inside for the duration of the work. He only came out when I was done, paid me and said, looks fucking fantastic. You did a hell of a job, man. Good job. And I never heard from that customer again. Never a warranty. I actually got a pretty great survey out of that gentleman a couple of weeks later that said my technician was a fantastic gentleman, upstanding guy. After the first lady, that girl horribly mangled my truck the first time. And I was like, dude, you have no idea. No idea. There was a part of me during the interaction when I was, you know, masculine presenting where I thought I should tell this motherfucker. I should tell him. See what he says. But (laughs) my girlfriend and I had a talk when I started working at this company, and especially when I came out as transgender, that if I am so many miles away from a hospital or a police station or a human freaking being, I should probably just play it safe and all that. So that's what I do. And that's literally the only time where I would consider myself as stealth would be when I'm out on a job and a person already thinks that I am a cisgender masculine person, I am stealth for that interaction because I am scared. Plain and simple, I'm scared. And I tell I tell one coworker, he's like a really good friend and all that, and we talk all the time. I tell him all the time, I'm scared of these customers sometimes. And he's like, well, why? I don't understand. You have all these tools that, you know, some of them are cutting implements, you know, knives and shit. Some of them are really heavy and all that. I have a real big truck I can drive away in. And I'm all like, yeah, but like, so does that customer, you know? And the thing that that customer might have that I don't have is possibly a gun, possibly a lot more freaking hatred. I don't know what my customers have in their house, in their garage. Sometimes I do know because sometimes it's in their garage. Mm-hmm. so I get scared and he's always telling me these situations where he's all like, well, yeah, next time you call me, I'll come over there and I'll kick his ass. I'm like, thanks. Okay. You'll drive the half hour to get to me before I die. That's going to be great. And I know that's pessimistic, you know, to think that every customer out there, if they knew that I was transgender is going to be an a-hole because I've actually had quite a few awesome customers. You know, you brought it up earlier, but it only takes one. Right. And and it equates to to women in the automotive industry. Mm -hmm. It only takes one. And and there's enough of that hatred and hate crimes and stuff Mm -hmm. that force you to be that careful and constantly look over your shoulder. Oh, definitely. And like all of my transgender experience has been in the last, you know, like four years. So your entire experience has been in the automotive industry. Right. Yes. Automotive industry, my entire transgender experience has been there. And I will say that we have had a rough several years now as transgender people in our community and as far as like laws and policies and whatnot goes. And I'll be quite honest, sometimes I go to a customer's house and I see certain things in their garage, you know, certain hats, certain stickers. 
And it automatically clouds my judgment as to whether or not I would be safe at that residence. And I've actually had a, a customer had a bunch of those stickers on their car that I was working on. And I felt extremely like I was not going to give myself away in any circumstance. And that person actually asked me. And I said, I had literally 0.5 seconds to say to myself, okay, we're going to do this or not. We're going to do this or not. And I said, you know, fuck this. I'm going to do it. Now, just to be clear, they came out and specifically said, are you a transgender man? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And my brain was all like, serotonin, confidence, here we go. And I said, yeah, I am. Does that bother you? And she just said, no, not really. Uh, Just, you know, I kind of noticed and I was curious and And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And she told me about, you know, a person that she knew that was also transgender, because that's what people like to do. And um, I said, I'm going to be honest, like, I saw these stickers on your car, and I really thought that this was going to go a different way. And she was like, well, that's why you can't judge a person by the stickers on their car. And, And I was like, that's fair. But just remember that the stickers on your car are also the way that you tell me I can't have my hormone treatment and all that. So remember that. Mm hmm. But we had a really decent conversation about that. And so I try not to, you know, just look at the stickers on someone's car and all that. But I still don't tell my customers anything. I don't offer the information like, hi, I'm Dorian, trans man. I'm here to do the work on your car. Don't say that. But I've had three customers in the last couple of years. Two of them were cisgender males. And both of them asked me straight up if I was transgender. And I felt safe with them. And I said, yes. And it turns out that they both had transgender sons. And it made me feel really nice and happy. I got to meet both of them, gave them all the information. Like I said, I do. I blew all the information at them that I could. Haven't seen them since, but it was really nice. And one person actually said, I'm just amazed that you're here. You're doing this work. You're doing this specific work in the automotive field. And my transgender son is standing right there watching you. And I was like, oh, dude, oh, you can't do this to me today. (laughs) Good thing it's raining. (laughs) Um, And the the saddest one was actually a cisgender woman that came over to me. And she asked me if I was transgender while I was working on her truck. And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she immediately went off about how her daughter was transgender as well. And she said, my daughter was transgender and she actually completed suicide not but a couple months earlier Mm. Uh, it was so hard to finish that job and to walk away from that job and i like i got her phone number and everything and it was just so hard and and it was just a it's a weird situation that you find yourself in when you're there in front of somebody and you're standing up for yourself saying, yes, I am. And then it goes total 180. You're, you're ready for that fight, like get out of my house or whatever. And instead it's all like, same, you know, like it's just an outpouring of love. How old was her daughter? In her early twenties, she had come out several years ago and had uh, started a medical transition of her own. And she had been dating a uh, cisgender male person. I want to make sure the listeners are keeping up here, Dorian. Just to be clear, in this story, the the woman's daughter was assigned male at birth and transitioning and and was now identifying as female and everything. And so I guess the situation was that she had started dating a, a cisgender male when she was still presenting as male. So they were, in essence, a gay couple. And when she started to transition into a more feminine appearance and everything like that, and medically, he said that he was okay with that. He said he was totally okay with that. And at some point, I guess, this woman found out that her boyfriend was cheating on her with a cisgender female woman and just couldn't live with herself, I guess. I'm not sure exactly what was going on in her mind. And this is what This is what she thought her only option was, was to do what she had done. And what people have to understand is when they hear that story, they may take it at face value. And what I mean by face value is that's one snapshot. Like to get to that point, 
to medically transition, Dorian, I'm not going to pretend to know what it's like, but I know for me coming out as a lesbian 20 years ago now, yeah, about 20 years ago, there's a lot of soul searching. It's confusing. It's terrifying. There's oftentimes shame around it because society makes it a shameful thing. And it is not one dimensional. So I guess when you hear about, you know, him cheating and, oh, she committed suicide because of him cheating, you're naive to think that it's that one dimensional. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's so much more than that. And, you know, I kind of circle back around to earlier when you were talking to the parents of transgender kids about how people can read your face, they can hear your words and all that, and it might make or break a day, you know, and I want to point out specifically that this person had loving, caring, accepting parents. Yep. So you can be as loving, caring, as and as accepting as you want, but there could be one other human being in the world that's not. That's right. We, we really need to be in this world where people can just be loving and accepting. Everyone, every single person. No, no discrimination. And you don't have to understand it. No, you don't have to understand it. Yeah. Like people don't understand a lot of things. There's this concept called faith that a lot of people have in the world right now. They have faith in people that they know. They have faith in figures. If you could have faith that I know who I am or that I will find out who I am and tell you who that person is and I can love and accept myself, will you please have the faith in me to love me as well? You know, that's kind of all mm-hmm. we're asking for is a little bit of love, kindness, and faith. You know, like, again, you don't have to understand us. You probably aren't going to if you haven't even done the research, the homework. Let's be honest. As individuals and humans, that's a lifelong journey is figuring out yourself. Right. It's never ending. No, it's never ending. I know for a fact that there's, you know, so many people in the world right now that are coming out as gay at the age of freaking 90 you know they're like oh Mm -hmm. i thought about it my whole life never really acted on it never really put much thought into it but you know uh i'm gay Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. lesbians that like that there are transgender people like that there is this concept right now especially with transgender folk that you can be too old to transition and i want to put this out there right now that you are never too old to become your authentic self yes you know whether it's medical or not If you know for a fact that you are a gender that you were not born at birth or both, neither, you know, non-binary, gender non-conforming, gender fluid, if you know that, then that's what you are. That's it. That's what you are. Mic drop. And I think this is the perfect time to launch into what I refer to as the red line realm. There's no right or wrong answer to it. It's just five rapid fire questions. Uh, Whatever pops into your head is the right answer. Are you ready? Chair. (laughs) I'm ready. All right. Let's try this. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? Oh, I literally had a name on the tip of my tongue until you said in the industry. Okay. Outside the industry. My dad. So tell me more about your dad. So my dad is the person I look up to the most in this world. It's literally because he is the man I aspired to be, even when I didn't know that I was doing that. You know what I mean? Like when I was a kid, I used to sit on the counter in the bathroom while he shaved and I would just watch him shave. I thought, man, that's so freaking cool. I thought it was so cool that the only Barbie doll, and I put that in quotations, Barbie doll that I had as a kid was a Ken doll or some type of doll that you could get wet, his face wet, and shave him. You know, like the the, the brown color would disappear as you shaved him and got him dry and all that whatever stuff. Oh my God, so cool. <laughs> so yeah, like I, I did that. I did a bunch of stuff that he did. He got me into the world of science fiction and fantasy and all this stuff. And like, when I say, you know, I came out twice and he said, don't care. Can I go back to work and all that? I don't mean he doesn't care about me. I mean, I could be an octopus with eight legs and that dude would be like, cool. And not in a dismissive way. 
No, it's not dismissive. He literally thinks it's nobody's business. That's what he tells me. It's nobody's business but yours. You know, he's like, why do you care what other people think when it's not any of their freaking business? My dad's just been the type of man I've always wanted to be. Kind, smart, nerdy, hardworking, puts his family first, that kind of stuff. He's just been a super awesome person. I told him I was changing my last name when I changed my name. I was going to do all of it. The whole thing had to go. And he did not bat an eye. He did not care one bit that his only son, which by the way, I said I was the youngest of four kids earlier. I am the only byproduct of this man's genes. And he did not bat an eye when I said, I don't want your last name. Didn't care. He was like, you're my son. You don't have to have my last name. The second question is, where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or you get stuck? No, just the internet. Google. I think that's that's a safe. <laughs> that's a safe. That, that's literally it. I mean, if I need to know, I'm getting older, right? If I need to know a new slang word, what does this mean? Google, right? Um, if I need to know more about something I'm going through, I Google it, you know? When I thought I might be a lesbian, I literally Googled the words, am I gay? That's what I did. That's just what I do. When I need a resource, I Google transgender resources. There's a bunch of websites. You know, We tend to overcomplicate things, don't we? Yeah. It really is that simple now. Really. I use Google at work. My coworker has a sticker that says YouTube certified. <laughs> that kind of brings me to the next one. What excites you most about what you're doing and what you do, Dorian? So from an automotive standpoint, the thing that excites me the most is that I can do it. Every day that I go out there and I do the thing, I am doing something that I wasn't given the opportunity to even really learn about or attempt to do when I was younger. Again, not trying to shame anyone when I was younger, none of my family members, but I didn't have that opportunity. I didn't have the means to do that. My brothers know quite a bit about cars and I don't know shit about cars. And it just mm -hmm. kind of goes to show you what mm -hmm. some people are allowed to learn about when some people aren't. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. just stereotypical. It's not that no one said like, no, it's just stereotypical. We are going to show you this route. I get it. It's not that you were discouraged, but you weren't encouraged either. So you just, exactly. we are just kind of floating through playing. Right. You don't even think about it. I'm curious with this next one then, uh, what is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in this industry when you feel stuck or maybe unsupported or discouraged? That's kind of a tough one because I feel like I have a lot of habits, but not specifically that that niche as to be like when I feel unsupported. I mean, for the last several months, it has been to text my council members on the DE&I council. If I feel discouraged at, at work or unsupportive at work, I go to I go to y'all on the council. I'm seeing a theme here, Dorian. It, it's, it's about having your tribe. I reach out. I reach out. I yeah. find the people with the answers and I yeah. reach out because if I just internalize it, I'm not going to get any work done. You know, if I just internalize it, I have to to well, the, talk the about monkey it. mind, you know? Yeah, I just talk about it. I text my fiance every single day. Sometimes it's just to say, you know, good morning, because I left before she got up or something like that. Sometimes it's to say when I'm coming home. Sometimes I'm just really mad about a customer and I tell her what the hell just happened or a coworker, I tell her what happened and all that. And yeah, so when I'm feeling unsupported, that kind of stuff, I just reach out to people that I know like love me, trust me, respect me, that kind of stuff. And I get feedback from mm -hmm. people. It's like, yeah, you're here for a reason. I wouldn't say that I'm fishing for it. I would say that I'm being vulnerable and asking mm -hmm. for someone to tell me if I am worth mm -hmm. it. And that's kind of kind of what I do every every day if that's the situation that happens. But I also tell myself that I am I wouldn't say that I'm better than them. I understand what you mean. The higher road. Yeah. But I say to myself, if I'm like, if I'm like mad at a coworker, I might say, I can do this. Like, 
I feel like what's that dude from um there's an SNL sketch from way back in the day and he's like oh, sitting in front of the mirror he's like Robert Smalley or something. Yeah, it was Smalley and he was like you're smart enough, you are and the the last line gets me, gosh darn it, people like you. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, yeah, people like me. I'm nice, I think. So yeah, I get a little bit of confidence. And let me tell you, I did not have this confidence so many years ago. I I used to go to my fiance a lot several years ago when I felt un unconfident about myself. And she would pump me up, you know, pump me up and like, yeah, you can do this. You're just as good as, as they a are. partner and spouse should, right? Yes, yes. I love that woman to death, I know. Right? And finally, what is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in the skilled trades industry? And maybe even if we want to talk to those male or female presenting people today that are considering transitioning, what is your parting advice to those folks? That's a good one. And I I like this one. I'm going to have these words for just about everyone because I believe that everyone is, is equal, right? I know that we all have our struggles and the struggles are different. We can be equal and different at the same time. We can be equal and have equality and acceptance of each other. And we can also have diversity and celebrate our differences just as much. So to clarify To the listeners of this podcast who are cisgender women, I, again, don't mean to take up anyone's space, and I don't want to be someone who mansplains to anyone whatsoever. I just want to say, yes, I come from a place where I was presenting as female in the automotive industry, but now, more importantly, I am someone who presents as masculine in the automotive industry, and that grants me more privilege than it did before. And... I vow to be your representative and your ally in the automotive field. If that's what you need and that's what you're looking for, I don't want to be the person that just takes up your battle for you because I know that you can fight your own battles. But if you need me, I will be there and you can do this job just as much as anyone else can. Women have been going to work and getting their hands dirty for a very, very long time. And it does not stop them from doing it. Same to transgender people, whether you have been for a while or are just coming to an epiphany right now or recently, I want everyone to know that if you need to talk to me, want to talk to me, you can, and it is a safe space. I will answer your questions. And you can do this job just as well, if not better than everyone else can. You know, lifting requirements be damned. I mean, let's be honest, I barely lift 50 pounds in a day. It's not a big deal. You can do the job. Literally, everyone can do the job. All it takes is training, right? Like, if you know how to do the job, then do the job. It's the same as if you know who you are in your soul, then that is what you are. If you know that you are a mechanic or a technician or whatever it is that you do in the automotive field, then that is what you are. You are the person for the job. That's all it is. If you want to be an HVAC repair specialist, go to the HVAC repair specialist training, the school, the whatever, learn how to do it, get an internship or an apprentice Mm -hmm. training for it, learn how to do the thing and then do the thing. It's that easy. We have female nurses. We have male nurses. We have transgender nurses. We have nurses who are non-binary. You know, every field where there is a human being that does a job can be done by men and women. Everyone can do the job as long as they know how to do it. We have people in power who don't know how to do the jobs that they are getting paid to do. What do you have to lose? Nothing. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you can do the job, just do it. And I will fight for everyone. That's that's what I'm doing on the council right now fighting for all these people who have gone through journeys like mine or may eventually go through journeys like mine to be accepted, to be recognized, and to just just go to freaking work, you Mm -hmm. know? Just go to work to be your authentic Mm -hmm. freaking self. 
If that means that you are someone that goes to work with makeup on, then just go to work with makeup on. If that is that you, you know, go to work and you want someone to use he, him pronouns, then they better use those damn pronouns. Okay. That's all I have to say about that is that's, that's what I want everyone to know who is listening is I will fight for you. I will stand up for you. I will answer your questions, whether you are coming to me from uh, the perspective of a cisgender, you know, uh, woman who wants to know, hey, how do you do the job that you do whilst having really large breasts? Well, guess what? I have years of experience doing this job with very large breasts. I can tell you how to not get your uniform dirty. Hint, it's an apron. That's it. I, I can do those things. Dorian, I mean, you threw me a lob ball there, meaning the next question really is where or how can they reach out to you if they have questions? Oh, awesome. Okay. Uh, okay. So I have a Facebook because I'm an old person. Uh, I was literally on Facebook like the day it got created. Um, so I do have a Facebook. You can find me under the name Dorian Jude. That's D-O-R-I-A-N uh, space Jude, J-U-D-E. Yes, it is Dorian Gray and Jude, like Hey Jude from the Beatles. That's where I picked those names from. Um, last name's not important. Actually, you've already said it. So it's Tether, but it's not on Facebook. So it's not important. I do have, uh, an Instagram as well. And if you want to find my Instagram, my handle is Dory dude 78. So that's all one word. It's D O R Y D U D E 78. And then I have a TikTok, but it's got like three videos. I don't do anything on there. I did. I literally was like petting my beard in one of them. So it's, <laughs> we're not talking about that. Um, I have a Twitter, but I haven't used it in several years. I'm pretty sure everything is from like when I was still female presenting. So we so won't really go there Facebook either. Facebook and, and Instagram are the best bets. And Instagram. Gotcha. Yeah. I have a Tumblr, but no one ever wants to look at your Tumblr. Like, trust me, you don't want to go down <laughs> And then the last one and the biggest one, and we brought it up earlier, and I will talk about this because I am going to promote myself. Uh, we talked about how one of the surgeries that a transgender person may want to have is top surgery, and I did say that I was going to be having it in December. Some of the costs for that will be covered under my insurance, but as with all insurance, it's complicated. So there's still quite a bit to cover there. So if you find it within your heart, to donate to my GoFundMe page. I do have a GoFundMe page. Um, I don't quite know how to say it with words to get you. Why don't you to provide there, me the though. link and I'll include it well, in the summary? I will do that. And you can click on that link and go there. Mm -hmm. It's basically, you know, help Dorian uh, get his top surgery. And that's kind of it. It's just if you got a dollar, put it in the bucket. It's actually had some pretty good traction lately. Turns out I have the most amazing friends in the world, but also I've had some amazing people I've never met. It's way cool. Uh, jump on there as well. It's so awesome. And I'm struggling right now to be like, how do I thank you all? Like, what do I, what, what do I give you? that says thank you from the bottom of my heart. I don't know what that is. So I hope everyone's cool with thank you cards first because that's the only thing I know what's dear right now. My fiance did say that she might bake people things, but I don't want to put that out there just in case that doesn't happen. <laughs> she does bake. so I think a card would definitely suffice. I mean, I think you saying it. And... Yeah, I, I, I hope people can be okay with that. Again, I'm going to try to figure out something uh, personal from me, mm -hmm. something I can create. I've, I picked up a wood burning tool Ooh, recently, so fun. maybe I'll do something with that. Do you do the, what is it? The oh, zip yeah. tip or whatever? So I opened the package. That's what I did. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I opened it though. <laughs> I've opened it. I've turned it on. So we're going to start with that. I know just as much about wood burning now as I know about cars. <laughs> Okay. So, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. But we'll see how that goes. So, again, if anyone listening wants to even remotely help me get my breasts removed, 
I would be deeply in your debt and the gratitude would be welling from my heart uh, for years to come. So any amount will do if that's what you want to do. If not, um, shameless promotion will also do. Plug it in to your social medias if you want to. That would be awesome as well. And that's how you can how you can find me. Obviously, if you want to ask me questions, the Facebook and the Instagram are probably <laughs> yeah. going to be the best ones. Um, but yeah, you know, add me, friend me, ask me questions, DM me. I uh, I again, I like to talk about myself. Obviously, I'm on this podcast, and uh, I like to answer questions, especially if they're not rude and condescending and just you know morbidly curious about my genitalia. Um, and yeah, like I said, I I, I I try to help people even like, especially like if it's if, if you got if you got a kid that's questioning, came to you with some questions and some questioning, I can try to help you out with that one, even though I don't necessarily have the experience of having a kid who's questioning or anything like that. But I've talked to some parents that do. I can answer some questions there as well. Dorian, thank you so much for being willing to be in the driver's seat. I know that you were very conscious about being on this podcast uh, just because you're male presenting. And to be honest, I hesitated in asking you because I didn't want you to interpret me asking you to be on my show as not respecting and acknowledging your transition. I just felt that it's an important story to tell. I also want to have a transgender woman on the show, and I haven't found a, a transgender woman yet. And maybe you will. So thank you for taking that chance and trusting me and the Femcanic Garage community to walk a mile in your shoes, so to speak. So thank you for being in, in the hot seat, Dorian. Well, thank you again. Thank you for having me. And uh, I just want to say thank you for the words you just said, because I know from my interactions with you recently that this is not you trying to disrespect me or anything like that. I, I willingly put forth the knowledge that I have experience in the automotive field as a female presenting person. I am not shying away from that. I specifically don't necessarily have the same type of dysphoria as some other transgender people might have where their identity as the gender that was assigned at birth is something to be ashamed of or hated or anything like that. I may not have liked my physical appearance, specifically in the breast area, but I know that even though my name has changed and even though I have different things like more confidence and, and things like that, that I'm still the same person that I was before. And I know that that person before was female presenting. There's just no way around that. I know that and I'm okay with that. And now I'm moving forward from that. Mm -hmm. But I also know that there is nuggets of information from when I was female presenting that might be helpful to other people. So that's why, just like you said, you hesitated in asking, I hesitated in saying yes to be on this podcast. Not only because, you know, like you said, I didn't want to feel disrespected, but you helped alleviate those fears. But also, as we said before, I do not want to take away from any woman that rightfully needs to be in the driver's seat. But I do know that there are people out there that also need to be in this driver's seat right here and that they need to hear my voice or voices like mine. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, my friend. My name is Dorian Jude Tedder. I am an auto glass technician and I'm a femcanic. Angela Alcantor is in the driver's seat next. She is a seasoned automotive instructor at Riverside City College. As an instructor, she teaches and researches what she loves. Prior to entering into the world of education, she spent eight years in the field as an automotive technician. She has worked in mom-and-pop shops, dealerships, hot rod, and performance shops. Be sure to tune in for incredible insights Angela shares next week. Until next time, Femcanics. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. 
You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?